Welcome to the Celebration Church Tri-Cities Podcast. We are so grateful that you have chosen to spend part of your day with us. We are praying that God speaks to you through this message from our pastor, Robert Russell. For more information about our church, visit cctri.org. Enjoy the message. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we offer to you our lives. The only sacrifice really that we can give you. That this Christmas season you would speak to us, give us understanding for the purpose of our lives, of this life. That we would humble ourselves before you receive your blessing, your guidance, your goodness. And in return, demonstrate our love to you. Lord, we pray that you would speak to us this Christmas season. That we would know that you are God in every possible way. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, as Louie and the worship team have so wonderfully pointed out, our theme for this special Christmas service is make room. Is there room in your heart? And of course, we know the story of Jesus when Mary and Joseph were having to travel because of the census. And she, of course, was great with child, the scripture says, and they were looking for a place to stay. They go to the inn, and there's no room in the inn. They had to stay in the stable where Christ would be born. And, of course, God is the creator of all things. His majesty, his glory are above what anything that you and I can fathom. He could have come to the world and revealed himself in all of his splendor and glory. I think of the Mount of Transfiguration. When Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, they go up to the mountain, and there Christ is transfigured, and his glory is revealed, at least to some extent. But Jesus chose, in his perfect wisdom, not to come in all of his majesty and glory, but to come as a child, and not even to be born in the normal place, in a home, but in a stable. And I'm sure, like everything else in Scripture and everything else that God does, that there are messages to each of us in that very scenario of him being born in the stable. In fact, we don't know what happened to the person who ran the inn, Maybe he's one of those who came to believe in Christ. If so, can you imagine in heaven how much people give him a hard time? I can see Peter now inviting him over for dinner. And everybody sits down, but there's a missing plate. Like we've got extra people. And he's like, oh yeah, Zach, the innkeeper. You go out and eat with the animals. You know that... All throughout all of eternity, I'll have to be remembered as the one. But at the same time, I'm sure Jesus shows him some special favor. 
that at least he had a place for me. And see, that's really the question of this teaching. Is there a place, is there really room in your heart for Christ? We live in such an age where there's so many things that life seems to be at such a pace of busyness all of the time that it can easily push out of your heart those things that are most important. That you're caught up in the things of life that really are secondary at best and maybe not even that important. And the things that are primary most important, well, they're the things that get pushed away. Think of it like this. People that you know and love, you really care about, you spend time with them. But if you knew that their days were numbered, would you spend more time? If you knew that your opportunity to see them is coming to a close, would you make it a higher priority to see them, to spend time with them? And you see, this is what I mean, that often we go through life thinking that, well, we can always take care of other things at a subsequent time, and we push the important things aside and focus on things that don't matter so much. And really, we need to make it a priority, first in our relationship with Christ, but certainly in our relationship with others, that we always make room, that we always have time. Always have time for what God puts on your heart to do what is his will, what he calls you to. Always have time for the person who may not fit in your schedule, but God has placed in your path today. Do we make room for them? You see, the scripture says in Colossians that he, that is Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation, Firstborn does not mean that he was a created being, but that he is first in priority, first in hierarchy. He is above all things. That for by him all things were created. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That is, Jesus is the one who has created all things. Everything is created for him and by him. That everything has its sustenance, that is, its sustaining power by the word of Christ. And we refer to it as his omnipresence. That is, that God is everywhere at all times. He knows every single person throughout the entire world. How he can do that, I do not know. But it is his nature, his character. And anybody who has come to know him realizes that he has a personal relationship with you. And he cares about you intimately you are of great worth to him. And it is really the great value and joy of walking through life knowing that Christ is with you. He'll never leave you, never forsake you. He'll always carry you through the di most difficult of things. He always rejoices with you in the blessings of life. But at the same time he's doing that with you, he's doing it with millions, billions of people around the world as well as with all of those who have gone before us in eternity, it is beyond human comprehension. He is everywhere. 
Now, there is false theology that gets tied up in that. People who are pantheists say that everything is God. A tree is God. An animal is God. And really, that is not what the Scripture says. He is everywhere, but it doesn't mean that he is in everything. In fact, until such time as you come to know him, he does not dwell within you. To me, this is the most critical thing of all of life. That you cannot really see and understand God unless he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, opens your mind, gives you understanding, imparts to you the ability to have faith. And then you can't see because his illuminating power is not within you. But at the point that you accept Christ, then the Spirit of God comes to dwell within you. And see, this is the first part of making room for him is making room for the one who created all things. The scripture also says in Hebrews that the Son, that is Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory, his exact representation, sustaining all things by his power, sustaining everything, including you and me. And yet, here is the one with all power, all authority, who chose to come into the world as a child, as an infant. He could have chosen to come as an adult, but for whatever reason, he came in the form of a child, born miraculously, born of a virgin, because he's conceived of the Holy Spirit, which means he's fully God and fully man simultaneously. That he had all of the characteristics of humanity while never being devoid of all of the characteristics of his divinity. That he became flesh and dwelt among us, the scripture says. That the word, which refers to Jesus, made his dwelling among us. That we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, I'm sure that before the foundations of the earth, before the creation, that God himself had the plan that Jesus would come at the fullness of time, at the perfect time. That thousands of years of history had elapsed, and I doubt as many years will elapse after his coming the first time before his second coming. But yet, in terms of the population of the world, the vast majority of people, the overwhelming majority of people, have lived since the time of Christ. He came at the perfect time and made his dwelling among us. And he had as a purpose to reveal God the Father. Because, you see, creation itself speaks of the glory of God. That is, you can see that there is a God from the created order of life. There are many, many things that speak of the created order. The perfection, for example, of many things from a mathematical standpoint speak of the created order of God. Even music is mathematically perfect. It, it tells us something about the handiwork of God. But there is a difference between seeing a painting, so to speak, about a person and then encountering that person. That God had put evidence into the world that anybody could come to know him, could come to see him. But then he chose to come into the world so that we could see him face to face. That he revealed God the Father. And also in coming to the world, what he did was separate the truth from the lies. 
because there were those who purported to know Christ, who pretended to know Christ, who clearly did not. And then there were those who had humble hearts who did know him. And this is why I think Jesus was so angry with the Pharisees so many times that he was disgruntled with those who claimed to know him but walked in great pride versus those who had humble and contrite hearts. Because there is an invitation in Scripture, and it's found in the Old Testament as well as in the New, that in Isaiah, this is the statement of the prophet, but he's speaking on behalf of God, where God says, I live in a high and holy place beyond what you and I can imagine, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. This is why the sacrifices that God desires are a broken and contrite heart. He lives with those who are humble. Do you realize there is only one thing that stands between any single human being knowing God and not knowing him? And it is not that God has put up a barrier. It is not that he's chosen some and not chosen others. He desires that everyone would come to know him, that none would perish. The only barrier between any individual knowing God is the pride of that individual's heart. There's nothing else. I think about my own life and think, how many times at Christmas, before I knew Christ, I saw the Christmas celebration, I heard Christmas songs, yet they didn't penetrate my heart and mind. I mean, it must have been hundreds if not thousands of witnesses, so to speak, of the character and reality of Christ that came across my path and I did not know him. And the only barrier was my own heart. That I had to come to a place of brokenness and contrition before I could receive his gift. He does dwell with those who are contrite and lowly in spirit to revive them. It's what he does. But the prideful person has no room in their heart for Christ. Now, I don't assume that every person in this room has already come to know the living God. In fact, there are lots of people who may be here just because somebody else has asked you to come, but then there are lots of people who attend church who have not yet come to know him. It is a far different thing to know about Christmas, to know about the celebrations of Christmas, than to know him. I do like the Christmas season because even the secular world stops, at least to some extent, to recognize something that oftentimes they do not understand. I was in a store that I go in from time to time just yesterday, and I don't know who chooses music in that store, but oftentimes it's wretched. That's the best way I can describe it. I just, just sometimes I hate going in there because, ugh. Yet, I was in there yesterday, and Christmas music was playing. It was so peaceful. And in fact, it wasn't just jingle bells or something about Santa Claus. It was like, come let us adore him. It was real, the truth of Christ. 
And I was just singing along and enjoying it so much, thinking, I wonder how many people here realize what those songs are really saying. That the God, who had, the Messiah, who had been foretold for thousands of years throughout all of the, the Old Testament, had come into this world in the form of a baby, that he had then grown to adulthood, become the sacrifice for the sin of all humanity, that any person who comes to know him can have a relationship with him, that he's the hope of the world, that those who do know him do not have to fear death, but have the hope of eternity of being with him. And see, that invitation goes to every single person that you can know him, you can live this life in relationship with him, and you can face death without fear because, see, he'll be with you even in the moment of passing from this life. You'll never be alone. It won't be a lonely experience. He'll be right with you. See, in Romans it says that if any person confesses with his mouth that Jesus is Lord, believes in his heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you've never really asked him to come into your life, you should do so now. If you're watching online, you should stop, bow your head before him and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Or maybe you'll hear this on radio. It'd be best to pull over to the side of the road and say, Jesus, forgive me. Come into my heart. Because he wants to dwell with you. It's really his desire. I think it's one of the reasons he created humanity is to dwell with us, to have relationship with us. Going all the way back to the people of Israel, when he first gave them the law, part of which is recorded in Leviticus, he said, I will put my dwelling place among you. He was saying to the people of Israel, the chosen people, that he's going to use as an example to all of history, and he's still using as an example to all of history, as we talked about recently in our series about Israel. He says, I will walk among you, I will be your God, and you will be my people. Yet what we know, even though Israel was this chosen nation to present the truth to all of the world, that they often walked away. They often didn't have room for him in their hearts. He had to send warnings and judgment. Sometimes they would repent and turn back and say, Lord, we welcome you. Now I would ask you then, what in your life is crowding Christ out of your heart, your mind, and your soul. If you know him, if he dwells within you, he'll never leave you. But the clutter of life, the activities of life, so many things can crowd Christ out of your heart, out of your mind. For some of us, it's just our work, our career, we're so focused on that, trying to accomplish things, do things, we work so hard that we don't really focus upon our relationship with Christ. For some of us, it's, it's a hobby, a recreational thing that consumes too much of our time. For some, it's relationships or sometimes the lack of relationships that cause us to withdraw from a relationship with Christ. What is it that crowds Christ out of your life? I mentioned, I think, last weekend that 
there are some advantages to growing older. There really are. Because it gives you understanding about life. Things that decades ago I could not understand, I can understand more clearly now. And one of the things that I understand most clearly is this, that so many things that I thought were so very, very important at different seasons of life, I now realize they weren't very significant at all. You see, I think if you and I could really grasp the idea that this life is temporary. Nobody lives that way. We don't live as if this life is temporary. We don't really grasp it. But the more you can get a grasp of the fact that this life is temporary, that having relationship with Christ is of utmost importance, the more you would desire with all of your heart to focus your heart, your mind, and your soul upon him. And it really doesn't matter what you're doing. You can be doing anything and your heart be focused upon him. In fact, your life can be a continuous act of worship in everything you do. The scripture says, in everything you do, do it as unto the Lord. You see, but what is a priority is loving God. And the scripture says, the other priority should be loving the people around you. And the longer you live, the more you realize that you have a limited opportunity for this life to know God and to fulfill what he has appointed for you. And I grieve that I squandered years and did not fulfill what I could have in that time period. I don't certainly want to squander any moments in this season. And I don't want to miss the opportunities to care about and love the people that God places in my path. See, his dwelling is among those who have a humble and contrite heart. And he wants to dwell richly with us all of the time. His blessings are great in so doing. In the Psalms it says, surely goodness and mercy is the King James Version, or surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you realize you are already in that dwelling place? If you know him and he lives within you, you are dwelling. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are dwelling with him. What a rich and glorious thing. And it will be that way forever and ever and ever. It's the mystery of human life. When I inquire with people about their spiritual beliefs and I realize they don't know him, I like to try to address the questions of, well, where do you think we came from? Why do you think we're here? You think this life has any purpose? What do you think will happen after we die? And people are quick to say, well, we're here by random chance, and when we die, we'll just cease. We won't know anything, so it doesn't really matter. But they don't live as if it doesn't matter. It's because God has put a sense of eternity in our hearts. He's written a moral law upon our hearts. We know even those who reject him have a sense that there is a purpose in this life. But those who humble themselves dwell with him now and forevermore.
And then eventually the scripture says in Revelation this. Now here John is giving this revelation. It's given to him that he might record it for us. And he says, I heard a loud voice from the throne, that is the throne of God, saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. Now what what John is seeing is the, the final return of Christ, the ultimate eternity of the reign of Christ. He's seeing a vision from the throne of God that now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God forever and ever and ever. No eye has beheld, no mind has conceived what God has in store for those who love him. I was thinking recently about many of the friends that I've come to know here at Celebration Church and loved who have already gone to heaven and thinking about, wow, their Christmas season is a whole lot different than ours. Can you imagine the celebration where there's a place of no more tears, no more crying, no more pain, no more death, no more sin, where there's perfect love Perfect relationships. Oh, that's what the heart longs for. You see, what God has done is given us a season of this life. And there are many things that you can experience in this life you will not experience in the next. See, there are choices that you can make in this life to surrender, to do his will, to follow him, or to rebel and turn against him. You won't make those choices in heaven that way. There'll be no temptation. There'll be no sin. Here you have the opportunity to serve him in a context of a world created for this purpose. Some of you have heard me say that I believe this is a perfect world. A gentleman reminded me that I'd said that a while back. He said he he quotes it from time to time because people think, what? Because we think perfection has to do with Everything being just right. But something is perfect if it fulfills its intended purpose completely. And see, this is the perfect world in which to choose to accept him or reject him, to see darkness and light, to see good and evil, to see the living God. And right from the moment of his incarnation, his birth, some rejected him. From the time of his life, throughout his journey in this world, some rejected him. At the point of his crucifixion, when there are those initially calling for him to be crucified, there are those who are rejecting him, saying, let his blood be upon us and our children. What a grievous thing. Yet all the while, there were those who were seeking him, those who would know him those who would be used by him to turn the world upside down. And still today, until such time as he returns, there's the opportunity for every person to know him. There's the opportunity for every person to make room for him. This Christmas season, don't let the busyness of life, the clutter of life, crowd out that which is important. 
make room for Christ. Let's pray. Oh God, we pray that first you would forgive us for valuing the things of this world more than you, for making room for things that don't matter all that much and not making room for you. Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts, give us a a spirit of joy, of thanksgiving, of worship this Christmas season, that we would cherish the very breath that you've given us and cherish the people around us, that we would love you by loving others, and that we would make room for you in every way. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this podcast and that it blessed you in some way. Don't forget to visit our website at cctri.org. And make sure that you send us your prayer requests at office at cctri.org. We pray that the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him.